This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the One who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents the Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our gospel for today is that wonderful story taken from the 15th chapter of Matthew, Jesus' encounter with the Syrophoenician woman. Over the centuries, Christians have found this story wonderful because of the lively verbal play that goes on but also because it's one of the rare times when Jesus seems to be gotten the better of. In this conversation, the woman seems to produce something that Jesus wasn't willing to produce. She seems to convince him to act against his will. So for all those reasons, commentators and homilists and so on have tried to understand this story, have been fascinated by it. Let me read to you just a little bit from the beginning of it. At that time, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came and called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But Jesus did not say a word in answer to her. Jesus' disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He said in reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now, what do we find here? Well, think first of this woman. She's a foreigner. Even in our day, often we find difficulty with foreigners, people from outside the country. They, they bother us. But especially in Jesus' time, when there were very strong nationalistic identities, even the Samaritans, who were kind of half-breeds among the Jews, were seen with great hatred. Well, especially a Gentile, someone from outside the country. Secondly, she's a woman. In the society of Jesus' time, women were certainly second-class or third-class citizens. It was unseemly for a woman to address a man directly in public. Furthermore, the fact that this woman is addressing Jesus with such insistence is probably a sign that she's a widow. Otherwise, her husband would be speaking for her. The fact that she's begging him to do something on behalf of her daughter shows that she's probably a widow. She's a woman a widow, a foreigner, someone who is triply disadvantaged, someone who in a triple sense is likely to be brushed off, ignored. And then we hear in the gospel itself the triple brush off. First of all, as she begs, imagine someone begging you for something. First of all, Jesus pays no attention to her doesn't even acknowledge her presence. You know, sometimes that's a tougher rebuke than a direct verbal rejection. You're begging and someone says, get out. Somehow it's worse when you're simply ignored. Secondly, Jesus' disciples say, Lord, tell her to go away. They give her the brush off. And then thirdly, we have Jesus' devastating one-liner. I've come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not right to throw food to dogs. Having been ignored, 
having been brushed off, now this woman, remember, triply disadvantaged. This woman is now referred to as a dog. That's extraordinary, isn't it? Extraordinary how this story opens up. I can't help but see in this woman a sort of universal symbol of all those people over the centuries. The poor, the marginalized, the hopeless, foreigners, those striving to make their way, who meet with official silence, bureaucratic brush-offs, hostility both direct and indirect. You know, my own little taste of this, and it was interesting because I realized how rarely I taste this. But it happened when I was in France 12, 13 years ago when I first arrived. And it was my responsibility to get what they call a carte de séjour. It's like a, a student resident visa. Well, to get this thing, you had to assemble a whole dossier of documents. They all had to be in triplicate. And it was very complicated. Insurance forms and permissions and doctors' uh, in, uh, information and all this business. And then you had to bring it to this rather frightening bureaucratic office outside of Paris where you stood in line with people from all over the world who were studying and trying to reside in Paris. And I remember as I approached after a long wait, an anxious wait, you know, do I have everything straight? I came up to the counter, and just in front of me was a young woman. I think she was from Japan, and her French was very poor, and she was trying to explain something to the woman. And the woman was being extremely difficult, disagreeable, making fun of her French, and finally just dismissed her. And the woman left in tears. And then I come up to the counter. Of course, my anxiety level is at top point. Long story short, I didn't have all the right forms. I, didn't, I was missing something in triplicate. You know? And I was told, despite my attempts in halting French to explain myself, I was told I had to go back home and get some more documents and come back. I remember as I was on the subway, heading back to my house, just filled with frustration, it hit me. This is something that people all over the world face all the time. I rarely face it. I mean, thank God, I've rarely had to face it. But that one day I got a little taste of it. I can't help but see this woman as a symbol of all people in that sort of situation. Now, the gospel story turns on her snappy comeback. Jesus said, I've come for the lost sheep of the house of Israel. It's not right to throw food to dogs. And this woman, exhibiting tremendous boldness and tremendous cleverness under pressure, says, But Lord, even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the master's table. Pretty clever. Pretty quick. In fact, a little bit almost insolent and insistent. The disciples and Jesus seem to be brushing her off, and she comes right back with this very clever little response. Whenever I read this story, I always think of famous comebacks, famous snappy one-liners. We love these things when someone suddenly gets the better of another. Remember that famous one told about Brendan Behan, the Irish playwright and poet, who was famous for uh, his drinking habits. He got on the bus one day, sat down, the woman next to him says, Sir, you are drunk. He responded, 
Madam, you are ugly, and tomorrow morning I shall be sober, and you shall still be ugly. One-liner, a snappy comeback. Churchill had one very similar. Remember that story? He's at a formal dinner party. There's a woman next to him who just doesn't like him. She finally says to him, Mr. Churchill, if you were my husband, I would put poison in your tea. He looked at her and said, Madam, if you were my wife, I would drink that tea. We like these quick comebacks, snappy retorts. And this woman is standing in that tradition. as She gives Jesus himself a sort of snappy comeback. And then we know how the story resolves itself. Jesus, impressed with her reply, says, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And the woman's daughter was healed from that hour. That's a great story. Dramatically structured, turning on her interesting and snappy response. Now, what do we make of all this? What does it mean for us? What's the spiritual heart of it? Let me give you a couple different approaches. There's a long tradition of interpretation that stresses in this story the woman's perseverance in prayer. Seeing Jesus' silence and dismissal as a kind of test. Now, there's a lot to this reading, I think, because you can find it all over the Gospels. We are constantly being told to persevere in prayer. Don't give up. Ask for something. If you don't get it, keep asking. Keep asking. Remember, knock and it shall be open to you. Seek and you will find. Ask and you will receive. Persistently, with perseverance. Does God, as it were, test us sometimes? By not giving us immediately what we want. By putting us off. Well, yes, there's something true, I think, about that. St. Augustine said something wonderful. Augustine said, we pray with persistence in order to expand our wills so as to be able to receive what God wants to give us. It's terrific, isn't it? We pray. We want something. We don't get it. We keep praying. We don't get it. We keep praying. We keep praying. What's going on? Our will, our desire, our hunger and thirst for it is getting bigger and bigger, stronger, more persistent. And in that measure, we are readying ourselves to receive the gift that God wants to give us. So in this interpretation, which is, I think, right as far as it goes, Jesus is testing the woman so that her will might be expanded to the point where she can be ready to receive what he wants to give her. Here's a second way of looking at it, I think also valuable. That the woman exemplifies the proper attitude toward God. God is God and we are creatures, and that never goes away, that difference. God is God. There's an infinite qualitative difference between us and God. Therefore, we must always approach God with a certain deference, as she does. A certain humility, which she acknowledges. Isn't it wonderful in her comeback when Jesus says, I shouldn't give food to the dogs? She's saying, okay, I admit it. I admit it, I am a dog. But even the dogs get the scraps. So the humility is there, but also in a beautifully biblical sense. Her intimacy with God, her willingness to engage God, 
even in a somewhat insolent way, that this exemplifies the proper attitude toward God. If we're nothing but humble, we're nothing but deference to God, well, then somehow it's too distant. If we're nothing but intimate, nothing but in your face, well, then we're not acknowledging that God is God. The attitude of prayer is her attitude that combines both these elements. Very much like Abraham in the book of Genesis, do you remember? Who dickers with God. Lord, you know, I know you're, you're in your rights to destroy Sodom, but if there are 50 good men, would you preserve it? Yes, I would. Well, dare I, I say this, but if there are 40 good men, yes, then I would, then I would, I would save the city. Well, what if there were 20? So Abraham, like this woman, is in a stance of respect, but also intimacy. Can I offer, though, a third reading that I think gets maybe closer to the heart of it? This woman stands for that annoying other who is at the very heart of biblical ethics. Look, she's presented as an annoyance. It's been a long day, probably, for Jesus and the disciples. She's a foreigner, she's a woman, she's a widow, and she's pressing her case, and they just don't want to deal with her. Christians, biblical ethics, I think, begins with and centers around people like this woman. You'll see it in Isaiah and Jeremiah, all the prophets. It's the widow, it's the stranger, it's the orphan. It's the one who gets in our way. The one whose demand obliges us. The one who bugs us when we want to get on with our lives. She's the one, or he's the one, that awakens in us this sense of moral obligation. Good. I like the fact that she's annoying. I like the fact that she presses her case, just as a homeless person does, just as a hungry person does, just as someone in great need does. And our moral obligation begins and ends precisely with people like that. Allow this woman to bother you a little bit as she bothered Jesus. And that opens up our sense of moral obligation. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. To purchase copies of the word on fire, call 847-297-4360. That's 847-297-4360.